your Bibles, Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do not raise your hand, all right? Do not raise your hand on this question. Do not raise your hand. But here's the question. You ready? Have you ever said, I'm going to get you back? Have you ever said, I'm going to get you? Have you ever said, just watch your back? I'm coming for you. In your mind, have you ever thought, this is not going to stand. I have to get them back. And the option is probably yes. Revenge is sweet. We like revenge. We like to make sure that if somebody has wronged us, it is our obligation, it is our responsibility, especially in this culture, that if you wrong me, I must get you back. You must pay for wronging me. Matter of fact, in our culture today, there are even TV shows called Revenge. I'm not even going to ask if you watched it, but you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways, movies to books. Everything is about making sure that somebody else pays. You wrong me. You say something wrong about me. You hurt my character. You, in, you insult me. You look at me in the wrong way. Hello. That, you're going down. You're going to pay for that. And it starts in middle school, elementary school. It goes all the way through, doesn't it? You cannot get away from it. And revenge is something that we like because we feel like it is our obligation to make sure the other person pays for hurting us. So today I'm going to tell you a story. We're going to walk through a story, very familiar, Genesis chapter 37. And here's the story. It's about Joseph. You know the story. Maybe many of you have even um, taught it with flannel grass. Anybody taught it with flannel grass? All right, very good. I knew some people had. How many of you have taught this story before? Joseph, his coat of many colors. Yes, raise your hand. All right, very good. We've read the story. You've heard the story. And today what I want to do is I want to focus in on the brothers. We're going to pick up the story where Joseph's brothers have taken the, the sheep. They've gone out looking for land. They've looked looking for grass. Joseph's dad keeps Joseph back for just a little bit. But then after a little bit of time, he now says, Joseph... I need you to go out. I need you to find your brothers and I want you to find out how they're doing. And we're gonna pick up the story with Joseph looking for his brothers. So if you have your Bibles, please stand for the reading of God's word. If you do not have a Bible, you're welcome to take the Bible in the back of the chair or you also can follow along with us here at, uh, on the screen. So here's what the Bible says. Verse 16, I am seeking my brothers. He said, tell me please where they are pastoring their flock. And the man said, They have gone away, for I have heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went away after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams." Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your love, your goodness, and your grace. God, thank you for the great privilege and opportunity to be able to gather with other believers publicly to worship and to celebrate how great you are. We want to say thank you for that. I pray now as we look into your word that, God, there would be a freedom of your Holy Spirit to move and to work, to teach, to speak, to interact with our souls so that, God, we hear from you today. God, I pray that you would reveal to us exactly what we need to hear. 
Give us the courage to apply it to our lives and that we walk away today knowing that we've heard from you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, you may be seated. All right, so here we go. On your, in your bulletin insert, you're gonna find devotions for the week. Also, you're gonna find small group questions for the week. Maybe you would like to do that on your own or maybe you wanna do it with your, your family devotions or you can even do that um, in your home groups but those questions will help you walk through the passage and help walk through um, some of the things we're gonna be talking about today. Also, you're gonna find the notes so you can fill these in and be able to look back through these and help you. What we're gonna do today is I'm gonna walk through this passage. As I walk through the passage, I'm going to give you a few little thoughts about revenge. And as I walk through that, then afterwards, what I want to do is I want to set it up so that we can understand how do we break the cycle of revenge in our own personal lives. So I'm going to give us some action steps. You see those filled in, but that's what we're going to do today. All right. So let's begin. Revenge. Joseph goes out to see his brothers, verse 18, and it says, and they saw him from afar. Now, just in case you're an East Texas person, that is not a fire. All right. They saw him from afar, a long distance away. So Joseph is walking. And how did they, how did they see Joseph? How did they know that Joseph was coming? Any ideas? His coat, his coat of many colors. It was shiny. It was flashy. Man, they could see the colors coming. So they were like, oh, oh, here he comes. That's little baby brother. Here he comes. So they know he's coming. And what they do is this. They say, we need to do something about it. We need to kill him. Now, here's the question. Why do they need to kill him? What was so wrong that Joseph did that caused them to have to be at a point where they felt like they needed to kill him? He did nothing. Nothing that actually is deserving of death. He did not kill somebody else, so it wasn't an eye for an eye. He didn't kill anybody else. He did not do any major crime. He did not steal from somebody. There was no major crime committed. Joseph simply did something very interesting. He did this. Verse 19, they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Your first blank is this. Revenge begins with a perceived wrong. A perceived wrong. And here's why I say a perceived wrong. Because many times we get frustrated and we get mad just because somebody looked at us the wrong way. I can't, did you see how she looked at me? Can you believe they actually, and, and all of a sudden we get mad because somebody's personality rubs us the wrong way. Have you ever had somebody rub you the wrong way? Just their personality. I mean, you walk near them and you just like, you just see them and your whole insides just begin to cringe and you're like, ugh. And you start having these thoughts, right? Now, you guys are acting like you've never thought bad thoughts about people. All right, this is not like confession time for Heath right now. So what we have, we have this, we have this moment where they see their brother coming and the only thing that they are frustrated about is because Joseph had a dream about them bowing down. It's a perceived wrong. And it's this wrong, and here's how revenge starts. You look around and you see somebody and you get mad at them and you get mad because they looked at you the wrong way. They, you get mad because they talked about you the wrong way. They didn't do what you thought they should do. Somehow they wronged you and there's a good chance they didn't even know that they wronged you. And yet here we are, they're mad and they, it moves to this necessity. Revenge grows to a necessity. That's your second blank. It grows and they said, we've got to do something. Here he comes. We've got to kill him. We've got to get rid of him because there's no way that we can allow this pride to stand. Joseph, he thinks we're going to bow down. There's no way. Let's go ahead and kill him and let's see what happens to his dream. And this is exactly how revenge begins to move in our lives. 
We get so frustrated with somebody. We get upset about something. And then we get to this point where we feel like it's our obligation. It's our duty. It's our responsibility because dad's not going to take care of it. The brothers decided it's our job. If dad's not going to take care of Joseph and his pride, then we have to do something about it. If the boss isn't going to take care of him, then I've got to do something about it. Ah, if, if, if grandparents aren't going to take care of the siblings and all this fighting, it's, they're going to have to go down. If the school teacher is not taking care of it, if the, if the, the dorm room mom, whatever they're called, doesn't take care of it, dorm mom, dorm, does, are you following this? I don't know where I'm going. No, I do. It's just, it's just that point. We, we get so frustrated and we, we feel like, wait a minute, there has to be justice. There has to be justice. We cannot let that pride stand. And here's our biggest problem with revenge. We start looking at everybody else. And when we look at everybody else, we hold them to a higher level of scrutiny than we hold ourselves. Rewind, write that down. We scrutinize everyone else on a higher level. And we, we criticize them and we get mad because they're not living at this level. And yet we ourselves don't live there. And so we're willing and we think it's okay. And we feel justified to go after them when we feel justified to tell everybody else. And here's what we do. You see, we see our motives as pure. We see our actions as right. When we look at other people, here's what we see. We see their motivations as evil. And we see their actions as demonic. Are you following this? So we let ourselves go and we hold everybody else at a different level. And here are the brothers. They feel like it's a necessity. They must hold Joseph to a different standard. Let alone their pride, their arrogance. But Joseph, we can't let him talk about us like this. Do you see it? Now follow along, here's what happens. So they begin to conspire. They see Joseph coming. We've got to do something about him. Let's, let's kill him. Let's throw him into a pit. Let's say wild animals tore him apart. Reuben, the oldest brother, steps in and says, hey guys, we can't do that. Let's just throw him into the pit. And Reuben's plan, the oldest brother, his plan was to come back and release Joseph and bring him back safely home. Well, they put him in the pit. They calm him down and here's what happens. Look what it says. So in verse 24, they took him and threw him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So this is like a huge um, well, if you will, that they had dug. There's no more water. So they just throw him into this pit and they leave him there. Verse 25, then they sat down to eat. I like that. They just sat down to eat. Man, and here's your next blank. You ready? Revenge always, always feels good. It feels good. Once you get your revenge, once you start down that path and you start either aggressively attacking or, or maybe you start undermining or maybe you start attacking somebody's character or you start shouting it from the rooftop how wrong they have treated you and how good you are and you make yourself the victim and you play it out and you just tell everybody, look how wrong I've been treated and now you're getting that revenge and now you're tearing them down and now you're putting them down. It feels great. It feels so good that oh, finally it's time to eat. Your belly's tied to, oh, let's just, let's just sit back. Let's just relax. This is good. Now, can you imagine the conversation? I, I, my mind plays this as a movie theater. So, so I, I just sit and I, I think and I contemplate. I'm wondering what Joseph's doing in the pit, right? He hears about it. Can you imagine what he's yelling out? Hey, 
hey guys, wait till dad hears about this, right? Or maybe he's like, he starts yelling and he's actually cursing them for a while. Maybe he's doing that. I don't know. Maybe he's calling, hey, Reuben, Reuben, I know you out there. I know you care. I heard, I heard that you care. Reuben, where'd you go? And he's yelling, he's pleading. He begins to plead it out. And finally he has nothing else to, to leverage. And then you think about the brothers who are sitting around the campfire and they're now eating. And I, I, if you've had brothers, you know the conversation was not probably um, too kind. They probably start joking back and forth going, did you see how he's crying? He's crying like a little baby. And then they start making fun. And then, do you understand what I'm saying? There's this joking. There's this, there's this, man, it just feels so much better. We're teaching him. Yeah, he's, he's never gonna have this kind of pride again. And they're just laughing and they feel like, ah, there's a satisfaction And here's the problem with revenge. It satisfies, but it's only temporary. And it's only a short-lived moment where it feels really good. And the reason we go after revenge so quickly is because it feels so good. And now here's what begins to happen. So they're, they're eating and all of a sudden here comes a caravan of Ishmaelites and they, they're coming and they're going down to Egypt. And so somebody gets this bright idea, verse 26. Then Judah says to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him. And here's what happens with revenge. Revenge is all about getting justice through pain. How can I cause pain on the next person? And revenge, typically, we, we, we want to get revenge by causing pain, but we try to make it at least one up from the pain that we caused, right? The pain that they did to us, we have to make sure we at least do that plus a little bit more. So they're trying to cause some pain. They're wanting to make sure it causes pain. And then they get to this point going, wait, <laughs> we could make some money off of our brother. What is the profit for us? And here's where re- revenge begins to really set deep down into our souls, if I told the boss about her and how she's not really working, maybe I would get the promotion and she won't. Hello? Or maybe, maybe if I, if I go in and I tell the boss that I did all the work on this project and how everybody else slacked off, there's a good chance I can get that promotion. And we try to find the revenge so that it actually profits us. What's the profit? So they say, well, let's sell him. So they pull Joseph up, verse 28. I cannot imagine what's going through Joseph's mind as he's coming up. Finally, you guys are finally letting me out. And he gets up and once he gets up out of the pit, all of a sudden the horror of understanding that he has just been sold. He begins to plead. He begins to beg his brothers. And as he begs his brothers, why are you doing this? Joseph knows that something's going to happen and something is radically gonna change. You see, revenge always hurts others. You're going, Heath, why are you putting that as a simple blank? It's too simple. Because what we need to hear is the simple truth. When you're in the midst of the emotional rush of revenge, rarely do you consider the ripple effect of how much it's going to hurt others. Most of the time, we're excited about how good it feels and we forget about its pain. And the reason I wanted to write it as simply as possible is because I don't want you to walk out of here and to miss the fact that when you go after revenge, it hurts others. It hurts others. It actually hurts you is the next blank. You see, Joseph's coming up and revenge at the core ends up hurting ourselves. Do you remember the old radio, uh, radio and then TV show, Amos and Andy? Do you remember that? 
It's an old, old TV show, Amos and Andy. And here's what was happening. Amos is picking on Andy. And he keeps picking on him and criticizing him. And he'd poke at him in the chest. And he'd poke on him and then criticize him. And so Andy gets tired of it. And he's, he's frustrated. He's tired of it. He said, I'm going to teach Amos a lesson. He, well, next time he pokes on me, he's going to blow his hand off. And they're like, what? And so what you see is you see him tie six sticks of dynamite to his chest and then put a coat over it. He said, oh, yeah, I'm going to teach Amos a lesson. When Amos hits me, he's going to blow his hand off. He'll never do that again. Isn't that the way it works? In our quest for revenge, we always damage ourselves. And here's what's going on. Now, Joseph comes up out of the pit. He is now at a point, he knows what's happening. He's being sold. He begins to beg. He begins to cry. He begins to say, don't do this. You see, slavery has never been just an American issue. Slavery has been throughout all time. When you have powerful people who do not know God, who do not serve God, who do not understand that all men and women have been created equal, what you have is the powerful always dominating the weak. And so what you have at this moment is this. Joseph is going from a well-off family, a wealthy family, a family where he's educated and he knows different languages, where he understands how to handle books, how he understands accounting. He is well-prepared. And yet at this moment, he is going from being well-off to being a slave. And he understands what that means. He's going to be put up on the auction block. He's going to be stripped naked and he's going to be auctioned off to whoever the highest bidder is. He's begging for his life. Can you imagine what's going on in the brothers' minds? Think for just a moment. What's going on in their minds? They're at this point where they're selling their brother. Can you imagine the hatred that had to be right there in their hearts? Let me twist it one more time. Maybe it's not just hatred. Maybe they've gone so far down the road of revenge that their hatred has actually turned to where they feel like they are justified by God in carrying out this course of action. Because quite often, here's what happens in a Christian circles. That we feel like we have to be God's instrument to bring pain and punishment on others. And here's what happens. They get to a point, yes, Joseph deserves to be a slave because of his pride, because of him telling these stories. Joseph should be gone. He deserves what he's getting, every bit of it. So they send him off. And it hurts Joseph. I can't imagine because this was not just a one week vacation stay as a slave. This was weeks, months, years, decades Can you imagine the pain that had to go into his life? Now, let me ask the question. Because we understand and we're dealing with revenge hurts people and it hurts others. It doesn't just hurt Joseph. Now the plan is this. We have to tell dad somehow, right? So they take his coat of many colors. They tear it. They dip it in blood and they take it home. Hey, dad, do you recognize this coat? Can you tell us what's going on? And the dad begins to break down. He says, yeah, that's my son's. A wild animal must have destroyed him. And they, he begins to mourn at the loss of his son. All the brothers, their families, they come around and they try to conceal dad and say, dad, it's gonna be okay. And he says, no, it's not. And weeks go by and the pain and the mourning still continues. Months go by and they're, dad, it's gonna be okay. And he says, no, I'm gonna carry this pain to the depths 
of my soul through all the, all the way to my deathbed, it's not gonna be okay. Now he goes for years and years carrying the weight of the death of his son. You see, revenge feels so good until we begin to see how far the ripple effect goes. And as you begin to see how it hurts and hurts and hurts. Now here's where I wanna show you. It also hurts you. And the reason it hurts you is because you were never designed to be the judge. Rewind. You're not the judge. You were never designed to be the judge. There's only one judge, and that is God. So here's what happens when you get revenge, and then you begin to hold it on. Go over to chapter 42, if you would. Chapter 42. Genesis 42, go all the way down. Genesis 42, go down to verse 21, and I'll pick it up. Here's what happened. So Joseph goes to Egypt. He continues to follow God instead of getting bitter and angry. He, can, he forgives and he walks through the entire passage where he follows God. He's accused of doing wrong. He's put into prison. He still follows God. He still chooses to follow God. He tells dreams and he interprets dreams. He's in prison for two years. He tells the story of what's gonna happen to the baker and the wine tester. They come true. Two years later, the king, the Pharaoh, has a dream, and the dream nobody can interpret. And then all of a sudden, the reminder, oh, yes, there's someone in prison who can tell dreams. So they pull Joseph up. Joseph, here's the dream of the Pharaoh. What does it mean? And he says, there's going to be seven good years, seven bad years. The Pharaoh says, there's nobody else smarter than Joseph. Joseph, you're now second in command. Joseph now begins to work through the next seven years of plenty. They take one-fifth of all the grain, they create silos, and they set it up. As, the drought can, goes in, as they go into drought for seven years, the drought goes also into not only Egypt, it goes over into Israel. And there comes this point where all of Joseph's brothers, the drought was hitting them so hard, they could not eat, they, could not, they didn't have any more food, they were about to die, so the dad says, okay, guys, I need you to go to Israel, Egypt, buy grain. They come in to the land, You know the story. They bow before Joseph, just like the dream prophesied. Joseph sees his brothers. He recognizes them. They do not recognize him. And he begins to put tests to his brothers to see if his brothers have changed. And as he tests his brothers, he finds out that, yes, they have changed. And look what happens in verse 21. Here's what they say. These are the brothers speaking. They don't realize that Joseph can understand And here's what it says. They said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. And this is why this distress has come upon us. They carried the guilt for all the years of getting their very revenge that they wanted. Now, we know the story and we know how it ends, that it ends positively. The only reason it ends positively is because Joseph changes the story. For most of us, if we had been sold into slavery, if for most of us, if somebody had wronged us the way Joseph had been wronged, his integrity was challenged and questioned and he was put into prison. If we had been put in prison because of our character being challenged, most of us would seek revenge in some way in which to destroy that person. 
we would seek to destroy the brothers. But here's what I wanna show you. I wanna show you three things. These action steps are already written down, so let me give you the verses that go with it. The three ways in which you and I, if you want revenge to not be a part, you wanna break the cycle in your life, first of all, the very first thing you're gonna have to do, the very first thing I have to do is this. Number one, let God be the judge. It sounds incredibly simple. Romans chapter 12, 17 and 19 says this, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, I like that Paul puts this in here because there are some people who are just flat out jerks. Have you ever met them? There's some people who, who you can't leave. You can try to be kind, you can try, to, but they just run and run and they keep running over people and you can't leave, live peaceably. So it's okay that there's some people who are just gonna be mean, you can call him a big meanie or whatever you want to do. But here's the idea. He says, as far as it is for you, this is your job, to live peaceably with everybody. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Here's your challenge and here's my challenge. You ready? To actually truly trust that God is big enough to handle the problem. That's walking by faith. Our tendency is to put up our fist and fight as hard as we can to make sure that we get justice. But here's the, here's the opposite, to actually stop and say, okay, wait a minute. I don't have to get revenge. I don't even have to vindicate myself. God is the judge, and I'm gonna trust that he is all-powerful and that he has the sovereign ability to actually stand and defend my cause. You see, Joseph even when he was in prison, even as a slave, he trusted that God was in control. And this is where our faith is challenged. When you are being wronged, your immediate action is to respond with power. The immediate action is, I'm gonna demonstrate how wrong you are and how right I am, and I'm gonna let everybody know. Instead, to back up and say, God's God. And I'm gonna let him be the judge. Number two, you ready? Don't let Satan get victory. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 and 27. says, be angry and do not sin. There are gonna be moments where you're gonna get angry, you're gonna get frustrated. But don't let it go down on your, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Why? Because it gives an opportunity for Satan to work. One of the greatest things that you and I can understand is this. When somebody, when somebody looks at us wrong, when somebody gets, we get frustrated with somebody and we get mad, is to say, okay, it's here in this moment, but I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm going to let it go. And at the time this night go, is over, I'm letting it go. I'm not going to let Satan get the victory because here's what he wants. He wants you to start dwelling on it, to demonstrate how wrong you are. And he wants you to start thinking about it, not being able to sleep at night, planning your next way of getting that edge on somebody. You lose sleep at night, then you go the next day and you spend weeks and weeks trying to plan and trying to gain the advantage. No, what you're doing is you're letting Satan have a stronghold. And let me be honest, friends, you ready? Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your kids. He wants to destroy this church. He is alive and well. And if he gets a foothold, you're giving him an opportunity to destroy your life and revenge always brings destruction. There was a lady named Clara Barton. She's the one who founded American Red Cross. Somebody came up to her and asked her a question. Don't you remember that wrong that was done? 
you're, you're talking about forgiveness and you're talking about these things, but don't you remember how wrong you've been treated? Don't you remember that great sin in your past? And Clara Barton just kept ignoring it saying, no, no, no. And finally, the person just pinned her down. Don't, you have to remember, you cannot forget something that was that hideous and hurt you so bad. And here's her, her response. Clara Barton said this, I distinctly remember forgetting. Isn't that good? I distinctly remember forgetting. It is a choice that you and I have to make to say, Satan, I'm drawing the line. You're not getting victory here and moving on. Number three, here's the last one. The last one is this, give the ultimate payback. How do you give the ultimate payback? Be kind. Romans chapter 12, verse 20 and 21 says this. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. You wanna make somebody mad? They're, they're frustrating you? Dump hot coals on their head by being kind. Do the complete opposite. The story ends positively because Joseph goes to the extreme. Joseph goes all the way through. And when his brothers are standing before him, yes, he tests them. Yes, he sees if there's a change of heart. And after he does that, because he sees that there is a softness to them, he actually is able to bring them back in. He's actually able to give kindness instead of retribution. He had the power to kill them on the spot. He could have gotten revenge and been done with it. And instead of taking that power and killing them, he takes his power and he is kind. And you and I have that opportunity every time somebody treats us poorly. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. You and I have sinned and offended a holy and righteous God. Where we stand is that we deserve the wrath of God poured out on us. We deserve his revenge, if you will. But instead of giving revenge, Jesus Christ comes, lives a perfect life, goes to the cross, and on the cross, God's wrath is poured out on Jesus. So that instead of us being offered revenge and wrath, God offers you and I forgiveness and a relationship. Martin Luther, the great reformer, one night he had a dream. And as he was dreaming, he woke up and he wrote, wrote it down. He told of this dream as he, was, he and Satan were interacting and Satan was writing and, and had written out on scroll all the wrongs that he had done. He had just written it out and Satan was just telling, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. And it, Satan was just accusing him of everything that he had ever done wrong in his life. He finished that one scroll and Martin Luther said, are you finished? And Satan said no, and he pulled out a second scroll and goes through list by list, naming all of his wrongs. Ask him again, are you finished? And Martin Luther said no. Or Satan said no to Martin Luther. Martin Luther said okay, and so they go through the third scroll. And as they list it all, Satan then finishes, and here's what Martin Luther says. He says, you've forgotten something. Quickly write on each of them. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you no longer have the wrath of God and the revenge of God on your life. That is the gospel, the good news. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, here's where I, I wanna encourage you. 
He is, God is not out to get revenge on you. You feel guilty, you feel separated. God's not out for revenge. God is out right now to offer you grace, forgiveness, love, and a relationship with him. All you have to simply do is say, Jesus, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And you give your life to Jesus and ask him to be the leader of your life. If you'd be willing to do that, you would receive forgiveness. Now, as a believer, if you have done that, you ready? How dare we, if God can forgive us of all of our wrongs and putting his son on the cross by our sin, how dare we hang on to the wrongs that have been committed to us seeking revenge? If we want forgiveness, we must be willing to do what? Forgive others. 